This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Just Joe with you today. Nick was busy. Kid got sick. Things going on. You get it. He's a busy guy. I wanted to share some thoughts about the British Open. Congrats to Brian Harmon, the champion golfer of the year. Most importantly, I want to talk about a little bit later the state of men's majors and the possibility of adding a fifth one. Brandel Chambly, as he often does, said a thing that got a lot of people talking, and it got me thinking. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Before we get to any of it, you know what I'm going to say. Please, please rate and review the podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, please leave us a review with who you think will earn the most Ryder Cup points this fall in Rome. Will it be Brian Harmon? All of a sudden, he's probably got to be on the team. Kicked everyone's ass at Royal Liverpool, so you probably want him trying to bring home the Ryder Cup for the first time on European soil in a long time. This podcast is brought to you in part by Blue Tees, get the number one rangefinder, the three max from Blue Tees. It's water resistant, has pulse vibration when you lock it on the correct target and a magnetic strip so you can slap it on the cart. Save 10% when you use promo code TURN at checkout. That's TURN, T-U-R-N, for 10% off any product at Blue Tees. Blue Tees, play different. So this was pretty anticlimactic. I feel bad for Brian Harmon, first of all. He said that some folks were yelling at him. Has to know the entire world is rooting for him to collapse. No one wants to see Brian Harmon win a major. That's just the reality. I don't think it's like a hot take or it's not anything against the guy. It's just you have a bunch of studs in the top 10, and then you have Brian Harmon who, by the time I woke up on Friday morning, the tournament was basically over. And then when I flipped it on on Saturday, you know, Zinger and Dan Hicks did the whole thing, and they showed the graphic of, all the people that had a five-plus shot lead after 36 holes in a major, and all of them won. And then Zinger said something that I, th- I thought was pretty astute. He's like, you know, we we say how hard it is to hold on to a lead like this, but is it really because everyone who's had a lead this size has won? And you got to give the guy credit. He never got, and no one got within three shots of him. And he started Saturday and Sunday kind of the same way, a little bit shaky. And then right at the ship really quick on the front nine, making late birdies in the front nine Saturday and Sunday, and then basically cruised on the back nine. Um, No one really made a real push. No one who was in the top 10 shot like 66 today. Some people down the board played well on Sunday, but no one really gave him a scare. So it was a pretty anticlimactic finish. I mean, kudos to Brian Harmon. We haven't had someone just go out and lap the field in a while. Um, I think we talked about it in the preview, Nick and I, that this was something that could happen. Of course, it was a reference to Scotty Scheffler, who did not uh, sniff the the top of the leaderboard, just making the cut on the number. He had a birdie as 36 hole to make it. But that's what happened. Uh, Harmon went out and he beat everybody down and it looked pretty easy and hit the ball the straightest and made a lot of putts and Good for him. I mean, this is only his third tour win, so it's not like this is someone who has won a bunch and knew how to do it. He hadn't won in a while. He's always around. He, he played decent to start the U.S. Open, so it's not like it's a shock. It's one of those things in retrospect where it's like, all right, well, no one picked this guy, but it's not shocking, shocking that he won. 
it's not like it's you know a Ben Curtis situation. Um, this guy plays well and doesn't win a lot, and it happened to all come together. It just happened to be the oldest championship in golf. So, congrats to Brian Harmon. Probably get some in the Ryder Cup. Um, you got to ride the hot hand. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, I I, I just got to get to this. As someone who has been the beneficiary of Justin Thomas missing two cuts, I bet I'm going to miss the cut at the U.S. Open. Bet I'm going to miss the cut at the British Open. Um, Clearly hit both of those. He shot over 80 in both of those events. The notion that Justin Thomas would be on the Ryder Cup team, it, it would be way more controversial to include him than it would be to leave him off of the team. I don't quite understand why it is something that is on Zach Johnson to declare that he's not going to pick Justin Thomas. Uh, I, I know we're obviously a little bit away from that. We still have two weeks of PGA Tour events and the FedEx Cup playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you can't have... Justin Thomas, if... Justin Thomas had one good round, and that's why he won the PGA Championship last year. And if Justin Thomas didn't have that really good round and won the PGA Championship, and if Mito Pereira doesn't double bogey the 72nd hole... This is way more of a story than this is. It's already a huge story. He's 20th in the world, and he has missed some cuts recently. Like I said, he miscut at the U.S. Open, miscut at the British, finished 60th at the Scottish Open. He missed the cut at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, T9 at Travelers in Connecticut in late June, so that's kind of an outlier, but miscut U.S. Open, miscut Memorial, T65 PGA Championship. He did have a T14 at the Wells Fargo and top 25 at Heritage, but then missed the cut at the Masters. T60 at the Players. So this has been, I mean, four or five months of really, really bad play. And the win at the PGA Championship looks like an outlier. And again, he had one incredible round. He won the playoff. He got it done, so give him credit for that. But, like, you can't put him on the Ryder Cup team. This isn't about like, oh, Justin Thomas has a good record in these team events, so we got to put him on, or oh, JT's he'll 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 figure it out. Will he? Because he hasn't. And this isn't a home game. They're going to Europe, and for some reason they're the favorite, which I still don't understand. And Justin Thomas shouldn't be on that team. Brian Harmon should be on the team. Brooks Kepka should be on the team. It pick the guys. For the guys who don't qualify automatically, you got to have the guys who are playing the best. And Justin Thomas is not part of that. I think Bones should probably get off the bag, go back to the broadcast booth. That clearly is not a thing that has worked. Again, the PGA Championship was it for JT. Hasn't really done much since. And it looks really bad right now. So he's got to change something. And the obvious thing to me seems like Bones has got to go. We'll see if that happens. More importantly... This was a pretty good leaderboard. I'm just going to rip off the top 10. So Tom Kim, Sepp Straka, Jason Day, John Rahm, all T2. A half dozen behind Brian Harmon. Then you got Grillo, who's played pretty well. McElroy, the outlier, and good for this dude. The best ever finished by an Indian in the history of the Open Championship. Shubankar Sharma finished T8. Hung in there today. 236th in the world or something or other coming in, and he finishes T10 at the Open. Good for that dude for hanging tough. Cam Young, disappointing day. He was paired with Harmon. He shot two over, still finishes in the top 10. Shout out Max Homa, first top 10 in a major. T10. Tommy Fleetwood, not a good day, plus one. He did finish T10. And then Matthew Jordan. 
This was one of the cool stories. He's won the club championship at Royal Liverpool three times. His old man won the club championship four times at Royal Liverpool. That's a neat story, finishing inside the top 10 of the British Open. Looking down the board a little bit, Victor had a horrible front nine. He started at five under, got back to even, ended up T13. So a decent week for him. You know, Xander's in there, top 17. Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt's younger brother, top 20. Good for that dude. Scotty Chef, friggin' killed me. I put a pile on him to finish in the top 10, and of course his streak gets broken. Um, he had a really bad round on Friday. Kind of got him out of the mix. He was one under through one round and played good today. I mean, he shot four under, finished even T23. Um, be interesting to see how his playoffs go. Kind of the run-up to the Ryder Cup. Um, Stewie Sink, congrats to him. Low senior, finishing an even par. And look, it was it was a good week. The British Open is always a good week. Very anticlimactic. I mean, for me, last three rounds, I, I woke up, Brian Harmon was 10 under. The next closest person was 5 under. And that was basically what my experience was watching this tournament for three days. It's just what happens sometimes. And congrats to him. He played well. Put him on the Ryder Cup team. If he doesn't make it via points, congrats. It's good. It's good. Good for Brian Harmon. All right. So we're done with men's majors for the year. We do have some majors coming up on the other tours. We'll get to that at the end of the podcast because I'm excited for that. But it got to thinking, you know, we have four years of data in terms of majors for the men's side, 2020 through 23. And, you know, what is, not to get existential, but what is a major championship? To me, how I always think of these tournaments is, I like looking at the past in majors because it's a snapshot of who the best players in the world are at the time. It's sort of major champions define eras of golf. And I thought it'd be interesting to look at sort of the small sample size that we have of the current decade that we're in and think about it in terms of because we're sort of in the moment right now, does this feel like a good representation of the best players in the world for this decade so far. So before I get into it, a little trivia question for you at home. There are two players that have won two majors this decade. Two players have won two majors this decade. So think about it for a second, and I'll tell you who it is. I, I would have gotten one of them, and I forgot about the other one. So the first one's John Rahm. Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa won two out of three majors. So here we go. These are the major champions that we've had this decade. I'll just read them in chronological order. Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, Phil Mickelson, Hideki Matsuyama, Cameron Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, Brooks Kepka and John Rahm. Sounds right. Rory's not in there, obviously. Spieth isn't in there. That feels right to me. That feels like a good snapshot of what men's professional golf has been in this decade. Rahm, I think, has been the best 
Big Game Hunter over those four years. Scotty in there only one time. Morikawa, couple majors in there. You had the Phil craziness. Cam Smith, JT, this year aside. But then you have people like Matt Fitzpatrick, very reliable player. Hideki, been a very reliable player. Dustin Johnson, Bryson. And then you have like Wyndham Clark, very nice player, very solid year. He should be in the Ryder Cup team. Brian Harmon, a little bit of an outlier, but that happens in major championships. And he kicked ass. That feels like the right group to me. Those people, those list of names. And so the reason I was getting existential about this is because of what Brandel Chambly said. And let me just couch this by saying that. I think Brandel is one of the most articulate announcers that we have. I definitely don't agree with everything that he says, but I don't think he says things to be... Like, I don't think he's like Stephen A. Smith. Like, Stephen A. Smith does a thing that is very singular. I think Brandel Chambly is a very good thinker of the game, and he has a great sense of history. I don't agree with everything he says. What he said leading up to this week was the Players' Championship should be considered a major as some sort of penance against the Live Tour since it's the crown jewel event of the PGA Tour. I don't think that is a good idea in terms of the spirit of making the Players' Championship a major now that you have a big swath of the best players not included in it. But then I got to thinking, should the Players' Championship be a major? It's always something that's sort of kicked around. And, you know, this was something Nick and I were going to talk about after we talked about the Open for a little bit. And I thought going into the conversation, I was going to say, no, that's dumb. The Players' Championship isn't a major. It shouldn't be considered a major. But then when I looked at the winners, then when I thought about it a little bit more, I actually do think the Players' Championship should be considered the fifth major. First, from a scheduling perspective, it's in March. So you would have one major every month from March to July. You go Players, Masters, PGA, U.S. Open, Open Championship. Five majors. Now, I only want it to be a major with the inclusion of the best live players. I don't want a major that exists where Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka and DJ, Bryson, I don't want these guys excluded from any major championship. So perhaps this is something that can occur once the unification of the two tours, we figure out some sort of world ranking system that takes live into account, whatever the case may be, you got to have the live guys in this event. So this whole conversation is colored by that. I don't want to exclude the live guys from the players if it is going to be a major championship. And then you get to the idea of, okay, well, it can't be a major because it's not considered a major. And I think that line of thinking is really inflexible. It's, it's very inflexible. Like people look at the majors now as if this has only been the way that we've done it. We've, we've, we've always done it this way. It's always been the, these four events. The Masters has always been the most important. The PGA Championship has the PGA Pros in it. U.S. Opens, the American Open, and the Open Championship is the World's Open. 
That's how it's always been. And I guess that I wish people would evolve their thinking a little bit because a hundred years ago, the world's best players were amateurs. So the four majors were the U.S. Amateur, the British Amateur, the U.S. Open, and the British Open. Then Arnold Palmer traveling and winning the British Open in 1960 and 61 revived the tournament post-World War II because Bobby Jones went over there, Hagen went over there. It revived the tournament. The PGA Championship moved to August in 1965. Arnold Palmer was talking about the possibility of a quote-unquote Grand Slam with a sports writer friend of his. And then it gained steam because the PGA Championship used to be the week right after the Open Championship. So it was logistically very difficult in those days, as you could imagine, to play the British Open, get back to the States, and play in the PGA Championship. So they moved it to August. As late as 1986, some folks still considered the amateur events majors. During the broadcast of the final round of the 1986 Masters, a commentator says that Jack Nicholas was going for his 20th major. Now, Jack ended with 18, but that would have included his two amateur titles as well. So, my point is, the way that we define majors with such rigidity now is a pretty new concept related to the golf majors in terms of how long they existed. The Masters is the baby, it's the youngest, and it's now considered, I think, pretty universally the most important major or the most prestigious. I think, you know, perhaps there are European players who would identify the Open as being more important than the Masters, but I think it's probably 1A and 1B, and for Americans, it's it's the Masters. The Masters is the most important tournament. So I guess I would just ask everyone to keep an open mind about how we define greatness. Look at the World Golf Championship events. For a finite period of time, like 25 years, basically in Tiger's prime, it was majors and the World Golf Championship events had the biggest purses and the best fields. So that's what Tiger wanted to win the most, and he did. And DJ won a pile of those. Those don't exist anymore. So, because the match play went away, that was that was the last one. And so, because the structure of the tour changed with elevated events and all these sorts of things, it just evolved. So now there's no more WGCs. U.S. Amateur, British Amateur used to be considered majors. Regular tour events, those ebb and flow in terms of importance. Look at the Travelers Championship. That used to be an event after the U.S. Open that was kind of a you know, second-tier event, and this year it was an elevated event, and all the big names played in it. The FedEx Cup. You know, this, the the St. Jude Classic now has increased importance in purse and purse and a smaller field because we have redefined what these events mean. So I would caution anyone who says the Players' Championship can't be a major because it's not a major. I did the same thing with the players' winners that I did with the most recent major champions. And when you look at the winners of the players' championship, it started in 1974, it's the same thing that you get with the majors, where it really is a nice snapshot of who was the best in the world when the best in the world played. Jack won it three times. Lee Trevino, Ray Floyd, 
Fred Couples won it a few times. Calvin Pete, who was one of the most important black players that we had in that era. In the mid-80s, he won, and he's arguably the straightest driver of the golf ball in the history of the game. Sandy Lyle, Tom Kite, Steve Elkintine won a few times. Davis Love won a few times. Greg Norman, Nick Price, Fred Couples, Justin Leonard, David Duvall, Tiger, Adam Scott, Sergio, Cooch, Ricky, Jason Day, Rory, JT, Cam Smith. That is a list of people who sound like major champions. And I just think that if you were to retroactively apply the Players' Championship as a major, I don't think it does any harm to the game. I think it does good to the game. Because all you're doing is expanding the definition of what a major golf tournament is. And if you have a tournament that has the best field on the PGA Tour, a big purse, you have a course a lot of people know, I think it does nothing but good for the game of golf to extend what is important. Having the players be a major doesn't diminish the U.S. Open or the PGA. You're just adding to it. And the element that I think the Masters has, which is it's the first major, which this would go away, if the Players' Championship was considered to be a major championship, it'd be the second major of the year. But I think that's fine. The Masters is what it is. I don't think anything's going to threaten the Masters. It's 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 become iconic because they've done such a good job with everything around it and accessibility and not in terms of getting to the golf course, but in terms of coverage and being able to view it online and the app and the website, and it's all so good. TPC Sawgrass is a very recognizable golf course. Most people who have a cursory understanding of the game if they pay attention to the majors and that's pretty much it i think those people know about the island green on 16 could those people tell you any holes at shinnecock or oak hill or any of these venues that host major championships maybe st andrews a little bit point is having a course that is exciting and a very fun finish a difficult finish you have a playoff on the 17th green. Did I call it the 16th? It's the 17th green. Silly me. I think it helps the game. I don't think it diminishes it. And I think that's what people are worried about is arbitrarily assigning a title. And damn it, I wish the Live Tour either didn't exist or they, these guys could just play there because next year is the 40th not the 40th plane because the 2020 they didn't have one, but it started in 1974. So maybe they can get their shit together by 2025, which would be the 40th players championship. The live figured it out. As long as we got, we got the hood open right now with men's professional golf. Let's get in there and make the players championship. The fifth major with the live players. I am, I am fully in on making the players championship. The fifth major. I think it's time. I think it would increase excitement. And I think the ability to not only identify more major champions going forward, but identifying some very important figures in the game retroactively. Fred Couples would have three majors instead of one. Greg Norman would add a major. David Duvall would have two majors. So would Adam Scott. Cooch would have a major. It's not as though because the players wasn't a major championship, like, if you have the players as a major championship, let's just take my for instance, in 2025 and moving forward, 
it's not as though the pressure ramps up because it is a quote-unquote major championship. It is already considered something close enough to a major where the pressure is identical. It's not like when Ricky Fowler birdied 17 in a playoff and hit a shot to four feet right of the flag in a playoff to win the players in 2015, he was able to execute that because it wasn't a major championship. So I don't think you're taking away anything. I think all you're doing is adding a lot of big names and you're giving people a fifth chance to win a major and it's good for golf fans. The LPGA tour, the senior tour, they both have five majors On the women's tour, the Women's British Open wasn't considered a major championship for a long time, and now it is, and now the field is better. I just don't think you're taking anything away if you make the players a major championship. So I don't agree with Brandel that it should be a major because the live guys can't play in it. I think that it should be a major, and the live guys should be included in it once hopefully they figure this thing out. I know it's a deal in principle, and nothing's really been decided, but... Who knows? Maybe they meet in this in the winter and they get closer. And I think it would be a really good thing if they had five majors and the players was a part of it. Okay, that was my rant. I wish Nick was here. I think he'd be yelling at me right now. We'll talk about it in a future episode, probably in the winter. As I said, we got two majors coming up this week. The Senior British Open, the Evian Championship. Big things coming up on this podcast. Very excited for next week's episode. Nick and I build a perfect playing partner. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good things, bad things people do. Pay attention to where your golf ball goes. Just pay attention to where your ball goes. Pay attention to where other golf ball goes. Golf balls go. You just just have high court IQ. Have high court IQ. Just be a savvy point guard who really just sees the whole court when you're on the golf course. Have fun, but just pay attention. That's all you got to do. We're going to be talking to an aspiring LPGA golfer that's going to be heading to qualifying later this year. That's going to be a lot of fun. Very excited to come on the podcast. I was almost blown away with how excited she was to come on at the turn. So that'll be very fun. She's a local girl. She went to Tigard. Tigard is a uh, suburb of Portland, for those of you listening in Ireland. Thanks for listening. And uh, then she went to University of Nevada. Very sweet. Very sweet person. Excited to have her on the show. That's it. Congrats to Brian Harmon. It's a hell of a performance. Take nothing away from you. And especially to do it when you know everyone's rooting against you. That's... (laughs) One person wanted Brian Harmon to win the Open Championship, and he won the Open Championship. So... Good for that, dude. He kicked ass. He really did. Especially having all those big dogs behind him. Well done. Appreciate you tuning in. Apologies, it was just one voice. Nick is fine. We've been texting. He's got sick kids. He's got more important things to do than worry about whether or not Justin Thomas is going to be on the Ryder Cup. I don't. That's the difference between us. He'll be back very soon. He'll have lots of rules. We'll talk to you then. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.